0: Welcome to Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show. Your place for a detailed analysis of each episode of Star Trek Discovery. Now here are your hosts,
1: Sean Ray and Rick Tatro.
0: Hello everyone
2: and welcome to the second episode of Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show. Uh, we're giving you a week-by-week review and analysis of every episode of the new series *Star Trek: Discovery*, which airs on Sundays on CBS All Access. And joining me on the mic is my co-host Rick. How are you, sir?
0: Permission to come aboard, sir.
2: You permission granted. Why? Thank and, you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and joining us also is my cosmic potato co-host, Mr. John Irons. How are you, sir? I'm good. And we've got a couple of and John has a man of few words.
3: <laughs> Live long, long prospering.
2: <laughs> we've got a couple of guys that are no strangers to uh, Simply Syndicated. First of all, we've got uh, Mr. Kennedy Gordon. How are you?
1: I am standing by to beam up, Admiral.
2: I'm not the admiral. <laughs> <laughs> you you the trust me to work there. the controls? Yeah. All right, let's do it. <laughs> and Scott Madison, how are you, sir?
4: I have no idea why you asked me here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> aren't you a trekker tre- trekker trekky?
4: um tre- oh, I've, I've, i thought we were talking about the orville
1: no
2: oh, <laughs> hey we're gonna get into some of that in a little while because i, I
1: can't say off. how many oh, really? people
2: i've seen on, how many people i've seen on some of the uh forums and stuff saying i still like the orville better yeah,
5: like,
2: okay I'm not going to drop S-bombs yet. <laughs> <laughs> so last night we actually got two episodes of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, the first aired on the CBS network and was, on television and was titled The Vulcan Hello. Uh, it was written by Brian Fuller, Alex Kurtzman, and Akiva Goldsman and directed by uh, David Simmel. And one thing that I haven't heard mentioned that I, I kind of realized myself last night is that uh, this is the first new episode of Star Trek to air on CBS primetime in probably about 47 years.
5: <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. 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 Uh,
2: then we also got the second episode, which was available on CBS all access at the same time that the, uh, that the pilot was. And uh, the title for that one was battle of the Bina- B- battle at the binary stars. And it was written also by Brian Fuller and Gretchen Berg, Aaron Harberts and directed by Adam Kane. So let's, um, uh,
0: Featuring we'll Robert off. Wagner and Adrienne Barbeau.
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let's talk a little bit in general of what we thought of these two. We'll, we'll, we'll look at the two episodes. I mean, we'll look at them separately and together as, as if it was one two-hour premiere. Because most, most of the time, Star Trek gets a two-hour hour premiere. Uh, but we'll, we'll kind of talk without uh, plot specifics at first and not give any spoilers until a little bit further on. And just kind of give an, an overall... Uh, view of what we thought of the episode. So uh, let me start with Scott. Scott, what did you think of uh, w- of uh, these two episodes of Star Trek: Discovery? <clears throat>
4: it was it it, it was def- definitely uh, intended to be viewed as one uh, feature length block. Um, when when I realized that the the Vulcan Hello was aired on. CBS, but they did not air Battle of the Binary Stars right after it. It, it struck me as potentially very confusing because uh, I, I watched them both back to back with uh, you know no time in between, and it did seem to flow like a really long episode. Yeah. And when when I uh, ran it through in my head, what would it have been like if we had just stopped right at that midpoint when they're just about to. You know, kick kick it into the next gear so to speak and then for it to just stop i think anyone who decided you know what i'll i'll start on cbs and if i like it then i'll i'll think about getting the app so i can watch the rest it might might have been a strategic move on the part of of cbs oh, to definitely. walk them right to walk them right up to that point and say and this is where we're going to stop this is all you get for free Definitely designed to make people say, well, now I have to get it just so I can see the next five minutes.
3: Plus, they sign you up for a week free.
4: Oh, well, well, that
3: that that would probably help. Yeah, so it's... it's That's assuming you're watching on all access.
0: (laughs) Right. Because the the first episode was also broadcast over the air, so just any regular... Every CBS channel was carrying it.
3: Right, but that's what I mean. If you stopped if you just oh, watched yeah, the yeah. first episode and you're like, I don't know, you know, if you're deciding whether or not to, to make the leap, I have to see how this ends and they'll give it to me for free. So I'll at least see the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. I'll at least see the, the second episode.
4: Right. And it, it, how felt, they get
3: you.
4: It, it felt <laughs> in some ways like Star Trek that we've gotten before, but at the same time, it felt unlike almost any Star Trek that we've had before. Um, it was, the, the whole the whole thing seemed almost claustrophobic in that it took place uh, virtually exclusively on board the Shenzhou. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, with with not, not a whole lot of you know jumping around to other locations, there was no Farpoint Station, there was no Bejor, uh, there was no uh, you know Delta Quadrant that was introduced in this first episode. It was hey we're on a desert planet. And now we are shipside, And this is where you're going to stay for the for the rest of the episode, with the exception of going over to the, the Klingon ship. And while, yeah, some aspects did seem a bit uh, J.J. Abrams like, they didn't they, they didn't take stylistically uh, from the three recent films entirely inspired sure. But they didn't just grab the entire aesthetic and pull it over and say, "We're just going to say this is what it looks like in the Prime Universe." They they made their own aesthetic, and uh, it was visually is very very impressive.
2: Yeah, I thought that the <clears> um, the style reminded me a lot of the beginning. I, I said this a little bit last week uh, because the trailer reminded me of the same thing. It reminded me of the beginning of the two thousand nine star trek which was set in the prime universe Mm -hmm. the the ship kind of had that same aesthetic the the uniforms looked similar they were wearing the jumpsuit style uniforms and you know we had a little bit of lens flare
4: here and there and Uh, everyone was wearing blue
2: yeah (laughs) everyone was wearing blue and uh but yeah it reminded me a lot of that Which would have been set probably fifteen years before this, because it was set that was twenty five years before TOS. This is ten years before TOS. So, Um. Kennedy, what 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 did you think?
1: Uh, Well, okay, so I went into this with um, high hopes because I'm an eternal optimist when it comes to Star Trek. I always expect it to be fantastic. I almost got disillusioned the first couple of minutes. I, I found that the the desert scene, the, the the opening sequence with the Klingons, is solid, yeah. uh, except for some other issues we'll get into later. But that idea that what we don't want to spoil, but basically they're xenophobes and they're very concerned about this multicultural, multiracial space faction coming into their space. So they give you that for about a minute. Then you get that desert scene, and the desert scene is beautifully shot and i think they filmed it in jordan and you can tell though that they filmed it months before the rest of the show because the chemistry is lacking between the two of them there's so much exposition and there's you know i hate expository dialogue you see this later in this in the the bridge scenes where you don't get the sense that these people have been together for seven years it's like they're introducing themselves to each other constantly uh That goes away a little bit, but for the first couple of minutes, I was thinking, oh, here we go. It's going to be one of these, everybody's a brand new Trek fan. Let's introduce them to this and explain everything off the top. But then it went away. And you could see the cast sort of click and come together during that first bridge scene on the Shenzhou and by the end of it I was enthralled I clicked right to the next episode because I couldn't, I had to see what happened next and I think Scott's right, this is not a two episode pilot, this is a, a two hour movie that has been obviously uh, cut up for promotional reasons by CBS it was wonderful I'm, I'm sold I will continue to watch this show uh, 15 episodes I think we get Yeah. wherever they go from here I can't wait to see it
2: did any any of you guys watch uh, After Track? I, I did. We'll talk about that
0: a little bit. Later. Yeah, I watched it.
2: Yeah, one thing that he said that that kind of made me laugh was that, that we basically watched a two hour cold open because the show th- these two mm. episodes. I mean, as good as they were, they they were basically set up to they were setting up what we're going to see starting next week because the discovery wasn't even in the, these two episodes, even though the name of the show is star Trek discovery, the discovery comes along next week. And we're, we think we're setting we up know. these stories. Yeah. Well, no, it'll they, be there. Yeah. It should,
3: show, it should be there next they,
2: week. They, they did show a scene. For, hey, this is a scene from next week. And they were on the, on the discoveries,
4: <laughs> but the, um, the, this was definitely all prologue yeah, <clears throat> in, yeah. in this two part thing. If, if, if we were talking about um, the the 2009 movie instead of Discovery tonight, then the two episodes that we just saw would have been the countdown comic book that they released beforehand <laughs> leading up that's, to the story.
1: That's a really good point, and it's actually kind of courageous, because as much as we love the old shows, think about the pilots. None of them are all that good. Uh, Deep Space Nine is not so bad. Um, but really, would you hold Encounter at Farpoint out as a prime example of Star Trek? No. no. Whereas this stands alone as a really solid piece of filmmaking.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what bothers – well, it, it's not that it bothers me. It just – it never even dawned on me that the Discovery wasn't seen because I didn't care. Right. Yeah. I was enjoying the show. Well, it's because the,
1: the name of the ship doesn't necessarily mean the name of the ship. Discovery is – Yeah. It means a lot of things. And I think that's why they chose it. I mean, if this had been called Star Trek Europa and we saw the Europa destroyed, we'd say, oh, what a ripoff. But no, the <laughs> d- Discovery is really what the show is about, I think, because I know there's yeah. some space mushrooms coming into this at some point very soon. And I don't really know how that's all going to play out. <laughs> uh,
2: John, what would what, what, you think?
3: I liked it. I liked it. Um one of the issues or consequences, I should say, of uh, having (laughs) five people on the podcast is that by the time it gets to you, they might have already said what you had to say.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Great minds think alike, John.
3: Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Um, Of course, uh, beautiful, cinematically. Um, I agree with you about, and honestly, I never really felt great chemistry between um, uh, Sonequa Martin-Green and, and Michelle Yeoh until the conflict between them. And I don't know... I don't know if that's my perception. I don't know if that was just the circumstance of the scene. But it, it, I, I agree, it didn't feel like they had been... I could buy that they had been together, together for seven years, but the rest of the bridge, you know, especially the, uh, the, the science officer, like, it didn't seem like friendly teasing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it seemed it's, she was kind of harsh. She was, she was kind of obnoxious to him. Um, she, um, You're uh, about Michael, Saru that... yeah, Saru. Yeah, um, yeah. Burnham was, was kind of harsh. She didn't like it, him. She does not like him. Yeah, it, w- it wasn't. It wasn't like. It wasn't like gentle ribbing. She. It was. It was. It was. It was um, a little more um, biting. It's like would have a waste <laughs> of skin. Could, could you well, imagine had, working
1: with somebody like that though?
3: I loved his character. I loved it. He does. He's have like the right so. Yeah, he's like he's like the he's like the anti-wharf. Yeah. 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 Actually, yeah. I, thought, I thought it was great. I thought it was great to he have got, a character. I can't. And,
2: and he he, he kind of reminded me of Garrick a little bit.
3: How so?
1: Oh, that it's sarcastic just, tone, yeah. That's yeah, sort of yeah. That's, he, oh,
3: that's yeah. Yeah. I guess well, I like that, I mean, you know, it would be easy to label him like, you know, cowardly or whatever. But he did, I mean, he, he didn't leave the bridge. He stood up when he, he's like, um, um, are we doing spoilers yet? No, <laughs> not, not yet. We'll be there in a he did, he did not roll over when he was confronted with something that he thought was wrong. He stood up. He stood up and yeah. and he got in their face and he's like, "No, this is not. I'm not doing that." So, uh, he does have a strong sense of self preservation, and I like that. Like, I've, I've, <laughs> that's something that I didn't realize I was I was I was missing until I saw it.
1: Um. Ooh, that's so a good us. point because we're so used to Star Trek characters being
3: yeah, um, selfless
1: all, beyond belief, right? Yeah,
3: you know, all brave and noble. And yeah.
1: And here's passionate.
3: a guy who just. He's like, no, like, I don't think we need to have this fight. This is. Let's just go away.
1: It's extremely pragmatic. Yeah. More so than a Vulcan would be. And he, he looks at exactly what's about to happen and
3: decides. And I, for, one of the. Arguably, the thing I loved most about this episode, he wasn't wrong. Or this this show so far, he wasn't wrong, yeah, nobody but neither, wrong. But neither was she, and neither was she, and neither was he. Like everybody's point was valid, which is, you know, the hallmark of excellent storytelling. You're here.
2: Yeah. Well, Rick. European. It, it
0: was all right. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Orville better. <laughs> <laughs> now, this was. Okay, I'm going to try not to get overly emotional here because it is a TV show, but uh, uh, last night, you know, we we were all like, well, when's when's it, is, you know, is it going to be on at 8:30 or when we heard that the the football game ran late and that's uh 60 minutes didn't start until uh 7:50. And we're like, oh, shoot, is, this, is the is the the all-access feed going to start late, too? And then we find out, yeah. And so we're like, and damn nerd, it, now we've got to wait another half side-lined. an hour. Nerds were sidelined by sports
1: again. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is such a 70s problem. This happened all the time when I was a oh, kid. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hockey games, you know, preempting good stuff. Uh,
0: this kind of stuff is what killed uh, uh, Space Above and Beyond, because that was a damn good show, oh, but they kept apartment. getting preempted for basketball.
3: Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I forgot about uh,
0: that. But anyway. <laughs> Last night finally it's you know 7 or 9 858 and I'm like hi get in here get in. here. My wife is really bad about it. she just sort of drifts in whereas I was like sitting on the couch for 15 <laughs> minutes already going start already. Um and it meant it you know my wife and I are both nerds but we're both nerds in very different ways. She's more of a fantasy anime nerd and I'm you know more of the science fiction science fact nerd. Oh really? And huh? really (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so there aren't a whole lot of shows that we watch together most of the time she's on her computer or out on the on the tv watching her shows and i'm in here watching mine uh so it's a it's a it's a rare and and nice thing when we get to share a show but uh you know we watched the last episode of enterprise together and so when the show finally started and the the theme the opening theme which i i think is beautiful um you know it's very much a, a part of its time you know that that kind of animated surrealist kind of
1: work in progress sketch art
0: yeah that you know it's very much you know game of thrones or the netflix uh yeah. marvel stuff yeah. you know that's kind of the way opening themes are right now and well, it's it's perfectly serviceable
3: I'll I'll uh, comment on that later. I have, okay. I have
0: some thoughts on that. <laughs> but likewise.
3: You know the the music is okay, but then and and
0: this is where I almost lost it because I'm I'm holding my wife's hand and they get to that last bit where it's, you know, based on Star Trek created by Gene Roddenberry and they play the those notes. <laughs> and I I almost freaking cried and I'm not kidding. Uh It was just. I don't. I don't. You know, my experience is no more or less important than anyone else's. But a lot of us have have had experiences in our lives, or have had times in our lives where Star Trek, in very real ways, sometimes incredibly literal ways, saved our lives, or our sanity, or our emotional uh, well being, or you know. This show has been far more than just entertainment for a lot of us for a very long time. And I think that's why the, the Star Trek community is so vocal, and we will definitely talk about some of them later, um, and why we're so picky and why we just, we just analyze everything, because this show it, it's not just another space show. Uh, you know there's a reason this thing has been around for 50 years. There's a reason why it has never gone away. Uh, the people that created the original series found a, a, an alchemy that no one else has ever found. Other people have built on it, but you know Gene Roddenberry and Herb Solo and Bob Justman and, and Matt Jeffries and DC Fontana and David Gerald and all of those people built a foundation for this this megalith, this monster show that just will not die. And the fact that it was coming back was so important to me. And I, I, I didn't want to You know, I wasn't sitting there going, this is very important. I must now preserve every feeling I'm having and every emotion. But I, I was literally crying when those ten notes played. Yeah. And, then, and then the show opened, and we, we see Takovma. And we all knew what he looked like. We'd all seen the promo stuff. So, you know, it wasn't a shock. Oh, my God, they've changed the Klingons again. How dare they? You know, I was like, (laughs) all right, let's see where this goes. And where it went was amazing. And I just sat there Mm -hmm. in awe for two hours. Uh, We have since upgraded to the no commercials because we watched it with commercials last night, and that was annoying as hell. Um, (laughs) Yeah. but you know i could i could very easily sit here for 2 hours and shred the tech and shred the continuity and shred this and shred that but i don't want to and i didn't have to you know with 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 the first 2 jj movies i had to exercise a lot of willing suspension of pissing me off um <laughs> that's
1: story, not how i remember it <laughs> <laughs> no, that was restraint. <laughs> <laughs> this one,
0: well, there are some as things about it that are bothering me, and we may or may not. I mean, I'm sure they'll, they'll come up at some point during the course of this show, not necessarily this episode, but this show. Yeah. Um, I was, I was, I was hooked from the very get go. I even, I enjoyed the desert scene. It was cute. Yeah, it was a little walkie-talkie, but mm-hmm. you know. The next generation, if you put together every freaking briefing room scene, you could probably have days and days of them just sitting around a desk talking.
1: Okay, that's that. That's kind of my point, is when you're doing a 26-episode season, you can have a lot of stuff like that. But if you're doing a 15-episode premium, you have to buy a special subscription to watch it. Um, I, I would expect for the opening scene a little bit more, and I see why that happened knowing what I know about the production of the show and what happened to delay it. That scene was probably shot the day those two met,
5: yeah. And
1: they were they were given, you know, some script materials that, for whatever reason, Brian Fuller left the series, and from what I understand, it had something to do with his vision versus CBS's. But that was just a crap pile of dialogue, and those two had yeah. to pull it off. That's true, but I but, did like but the mission. Then they, they, they they came back right afterwards, and then totally when Michelle Yeoh walks out of that ready room with the phaser in her hand. You remember exactly how good of an actress she is.
3: Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. And and for the record, I I didn't dislike the desert scene, but their uh, but their chemistry wasn't.
1: You see, my point where it was. It. It's not a bad yeah. scene. It's a great little set up the whole bit. But first of all, they're violating the prime directive. But if we point that out, we'd be nerds.
3: Well, so I, I, just... I uh, what what do they call it? The General Order One. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that too.
0: But I love the mission because that was that mission was so Star Trek, you know, sneak in, yeah. fix the problem. Now, granted, that was you know that's by how, Picard's era the that wouldn't have as
1: well, too, right?
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Um, you know, by Picard's era, Picard would have been like, no, oh, they must, they must die of thirst because because number one, let's go. Uh, <laughs> and, and they were like. If we lob a couple True. of phaser blasts down this well, these people live for the next hundred years, and we bug out and everything's fine. Um, so I, I, I liked that. I, that was very much early early Star Trek, early Federation, early eh, General Order 1's more of a guideline than a rule. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Kirkian physics. Yeah. I was kind of waiting for one of those alien guys to draw a picture of the Shenzhou in the sand. I would have been. Because I thought that would have topped it right off.
2: <laughs> One of the things that I noticed was, uh, if you think back to the the pilots that we've gotten over the years since the Next Generation, you know that we've always gotten a two a two hour uh, pilot, but and like you said, they they start off with a pretty big scene, but then they slow down for at least the first hour because they have all these characters that they have to introduce. One of the things that I noticed last night. And I didn't notice it until I actually watched the show uh, twice last night. I watched the first episode twice last night. Um, As big as it is, uh, all the special effects and the the desert scene and and all that, it's, it's a huge show. It's also a really small show, or at least it was a small episode, because how many characters did we actually get introduced to last night? Only hmm. a f- only a handful. I mean, you know,
1: a permanent of- characters. You mean?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of crewmen around, but there's going to be more crewmen on the Discovery in later episodes that we're probably going to get to know a lot a lot better. But as far as on the actual Shinzu, I mean, we met uh, Saru and we met uh, Captain Georgio and and uh, Michael Burnham, and you know, and then there was some some other characters around, but they they weren't vital to the story, and then uh, and then we had a couple of Klingons that we met, and we met Sarek, and we met um, that Admiral Hologram. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Admiral uh, Ted Anderson, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, and those are basically the, the characters that we met last night, you know? It's it's, it's a handful. And, well, two-thirds
0: uh, of the characters we met last... Well, never mind.
3: <laughs> yeah, I was, I was <laughs> really interested... In, We're going to spoil, but not quite. Go ahead. I was, I was yeah. really interested in the characters, like the the one with like the the computer head like so the robot <laughs> thing. thing yeah yeah I'm like was, it was that was so that lit up when
1: he spoke it was so cool
3: was that a cyborg was that what's what's the deal is that an alien we don't know. don't know I don't know do you know I don't know <laughs> <laughs> this is a Daft
1: Punk cameo yeah there's yeah. a race of yeah. aliens in this Star Trek who are little motorcycle riders yeah,
3: yeah.
4: <laughs> cool Scott we're kind of was, talking was around you Everything guy. you want to add well I I know I'm usually bad at like you know j- jump, jumping right in with stuff I w- I wait for an opening. And when you're on a podcast with five people at once, there's never an opening. So I <laughs> tend to just wait for my shot a little too long. Um, uh, in, in discussing all the different characters that we were introduced to, it, it certainly seemed that, uh, uh, at least from, from my view, things were always moving so quickly. And this, this was you know definitely shades of, uh, of the 2009 movie. Things are, are moving quickly. Uh, dialogue is moving at a clip and shots don't tend to be sustained for long periods. So it was hard to really get a solid grasp of who is on the bridge and who these people are. Um, You know, that, that crew member with the, uh, with, with the robot face, I couldn't tell. Is that a person or is it a robot? Is it some sort of droid crew member? Is it an alien are we going to have to know who that person is? Cause I haven't caught a name from them. Have we heard them speak? I don't know. It seems there's a lot of crosstalk and people who are speaking are not necessarily the ones on the screen at the moment. So in that way, it was at points sometimes a little hard to keep up with, but the really important stuff, uh, they made sure that it was uh, understandable and, and easy to follow. Um, So they. They at least didn't leave people behind as far as the storytelling goes, um, and I I just had to trust that as the season progresses, the people that we need to know we will get to know uh, in due course. And that's another difference um, between this and previous Star Trek series is that all the pilots for the for the uh, previous shows have have not served as part one of this grander story, it has been the introduction to the status quo and right. uh, and oh, and a proof of concept. Yeah. It's It's been, okay, let's introduce you to all the characters and the setting, and here is a conflict for this episode and a general sense of where they're going to be going. Um, for Next Generation, here's the crew, here's the ship. They just solved a mystery and now they're going to go, let's see what's out there. Um, In Deep Space Nine, here's the crew, here's the station, they're on Bajor, the Cardassians left, and that's the socio-political landscape that you're looking at, and now let's have some adventures. Um, Same thing with Voyager and Enterprise. With this show, it's, okay, here's the people, here's a ship, and now here's a trailer for the rest of the season uh, in, in, in the vein of Doctor Who, and he, here's where we're going for the rest of the season. We have one story that we're going to tell you, and chapter one. Yeah. And that was that was very new. Um, so I'm really relying on them to give me the rest of what I need as uh, as the next few episodes uh, come rolling through.
2: Okay, let's. We're gonna move into the spoiler-filled part of the show
0: so if you're listening hang on before before we go there okay should should we should we all just give like a thumbs up or thumbs down for anyone who's listening to try to to see you know who don't want spoilers but want to get an idea of of, uh, or have we all pretty much done
1: that (laughs) if you're listening (laughs) to this show and you don't want spoilers come on you're doing it so wrong (laughs)
0: i'll say
3: scale of scale of one to five
1: okay
2: uh, one to five. I I mean, I give these two episodes together. I'd, I'd probably give them a f- four point
3: five. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I do yeah. four and a half.
1: Yeah, I do four. Not quite there to f- the half yet. Um, <laughs> but we'll see how the cast develops as they get more acquainted.
0: Yeah, I'd say four. There's there's still there's still room to improve. But this was a this was one of the best pilots I've seen in Star Trek.
1: Oh, it's the best Star Trek pilot ever made. Let's let's not <laughs> dance with that. <now. laughs> come on, go, go back and watch the the pilot for Voyager. Yeah, and then come I, back and talk to me. I, I,
0: I did that a couple of years ago. It still hurts. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah that that
4: that one's that one's kind of rough. Um, now I, I can't say a four point five because I, let's be let's be real. That's that's a scale of ten, not five um that's a 9 out of 10 um if we're doing if we're doing 1 to 5 oh, then with nerds jeez <laughs> i would definitely say uh it it's a, a strong solid 4 um i can't give it 5 and that might just be um might just be my fault because i did not have the same reaction that rick had um yeah you know, i noticed the uh, the musical homage in the uh, in the opening credits Um, And I saw all of the design elements that we're familiar with coming back again and some that were new. And I didn't get that emotional punch that Rick got. And I think a lot of that was because I was spending most of this time and at points I felt my heart rate go up, but not because ooh the show is exciting. My heart rate was going up because I was finding myself desperately hoping that this ends up being uh, received as good Star Trek. I want good Star Trek. It's Yes, it's exciting that Star Trek is, is back, and it's on television, and we have new track. This is great. But I need it to be good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, and believe me, if this hadn't been up to snuff, you, you'd have heard it. Without the microphone,
5: (laughs) yeah,
4: and the the fact that my Facebook was not literally overflowing with negative reviews told me, well, it's got to be good because if it was in any way um, not satisfactory, then there would be no way for the internet to keep it a secret.
2: Did any of you? I'm sorry. Go ahead.
4: And I, I, I didn't wake up to a tidal wave of negative feedback, which means it's got to be good. Uh,
2: so what we're going to do is, uh, so if you're listening and you and you care about spoilers, then you should stop now. Because we're going to move into actually reviewing the plot of these two episodes. And uh, John is our designated plot person. He's going to uh, give us a a plot summary of uh, the first two episodes.
3: Uh, all right. <laughs> I'm trying to contain your joy, but <laughs> Well, okay. So uh so here's 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 how I did this and I think I did it incorrectly. Um so I I did a um I did like a like a like a spoiler free like synopsis, like a little brief snapshot. And then um I went into a more spoiler filled synopsis. So here it is. It's not so much a review. <clears throat> Star Trek no, not, yeah,
2: not a review, uh, the, like, just a summary.
3: Well, yeah. All right. Spoiler-free summary. Discovery takes place 10 years before the original series and the premiere episode were introduced to Lieutenant Commander Michael Burnham. Burnham is unique in that as a result of the Klingon attack that killed her parents, she is a human who's raised on Vulcan and a woman named Michael. They <laughs> only address one of these issues on Sunday, so we'll have to wait to find out what's up with that name. Oh, come on. I
1: can't go to the mall without some person yelling out, hey, Kennedy! And a little girl comes running <laughs> out. Names, name. just names. Name, names are just names. There's girls named Sean. There's girls named Kennedy. Guys. There's girls named Michael. This,
3: this, this is what I expect. I expect that when she gets to Discovery, somebody's going to be like, hey, what's up with that name? And then she'll be like, that's just my name. And that'll be it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh Burnham is century. <laughs> yeah.
0: She slaps him across the face with her penis and they move on. <laughs> Yeah,
1: cut that part
3: out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Burnham is first officer on the Shinsu, serving under Captain Jojo. The ship goes to investigate a damaged satellite and end up encountering a Klingon battleship at this point. There hadn't been a major Klingon encounter in centuries, and things do not go well. The government commander of the Klingon ship has actually been itching for a war with the Federation, so the first two episodes of Discovery set the stage for the conflict with the Klingons that carries through through, the, through to the original series. All right, that's my spoiler free synopsis. Spoiler field. Um, can I cuss? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, simply syndicated. It's
0: simply syndicated. Yeah, it yeah,
3: has bad. an explicit tag, so yeah, you can cuss. Yeah, okay, so Burnham fucked up. But also, <laughs> she didn't fuck up, which is a fantastic way to start the series.
1: That's exactly how I saw this whole show. Yeah. That's spot on, John. Perfect
3: uh they go to the satellite to take something sort of kind of cloaked in the asteroid field they can't get readings so burnham goes to investigate via her uh sci-fi jetpack by the way my autocorrect kept turning burnham into turnham for some reason like turnham is so super common anyway (laughs) (laughs) when she lands a klingon shows up she tries to talk he attacks she accidentally kills him after Burnham is back on the Shinsu, the huge Klingon vessel that had cloaked, that had been cloaked the entire time appears and sends out a message to all of the noble Klingon houses. Burnham asks, asks Sarek how the Vulcans dealt with Klingons, and she advises the captain to do the same, namely attack first. Georgiou refuses. They take it to the ready room, and Burnham actually nerve-pinches the captain and tries to command the attack anyway. The Star Trek techno-babble term for this is mutiny.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
3: the science officer is suspicious <laughs> the science officer is suspicious and will not do it the captain wakes up just in time to reclaim control of the ship and send michael to the brig klingon reinforcements arrive to come and convinces most of them almost all of them to unite against the federation and reclaim the glory days starfleet backup shows up just in time to get their asses handed to them <laughs> the klingons stop when the ships are defeated leaving them leaving the survivors to spread the word uh, like natural born killers, like the natural born killers they are. Because in that movie, they did, anyway, <laughs> due to the damage, <laughs> due to the damage on the ship, uh, Burnham is able to free herself from the brig and make her way back to the bridge, where she and Giorgio come up with a crazy semi suicidal mission plan to capture Takovma and use that as a bargaining chip to end the war. Capture, not kill. That's important. Because then he'd be a martyr and the holy war would get even holier. They get on board the ship. Bloody shenanigans ensue. Giorgio is killed, followed immediately by Michael killing Takuvma, which is bad. See previous paragraph. The episode ends with the Federation at war with the Klingons, Burnham being put on trial and then sentenced to life in prison. The end! (laughs) According to the... (laughs) (laughs) According to the preview uh, of this season on Star Trek Discovery, at some point (laughs) she will join the crew of a ship called The Discovery.
0: I, I gotta say, well done, sir. By the way, um, that
1: court martial scene was weird. There was smoke and, in the air. Like, who is smoking? Well, here? it was just the the <laughs> you know the lighting, so that yeah, we didn't all, see
0: the, yeah. the the faces. And I I was think I was expecting that to be like some sort of dream sequence, and she was going to wake up, you know, on a rescue ship or something. But then it's like, nope, that
1: really happened. So what? Life in prison for mutiny.
0: Yeah. What? I, well, she also. Well, no, she was. Yeah, no, it was,
3: I, it was like like she. It wasn't so much that she, you know, killed the Klingon on the thing. That was an accident. It was a mutiny. It was totally the mutiny yep. and trying to bring the ship to attack first, which is not a Starfleet thing to do.
0: But that's not a life.
1: That yeah. You uh, it's uh, a big enough deal that when she's on the, the preview scene, she's on the transport, and the other inmates are saying, "Oh, that's Michael Burnham."
3: Yeah, she, she's so, so notorious. Yeah, from their perspective, she started the Klingon War. That's not right, yeah. right. accurate. But oh, yeah, that's yeah. that's how they see it. She pulled the Federation into a war, got a lot of her crew killed, got a lot of her fellow uh, members of the Federation killed.
1: Right. Yeah. They, they could have left that thing alone, but she wanted to go look.
2: Yeah, you kind of get the idea that uh, mutiny is not something that happens very often in, in this uh, in this timeline. Well, no if they, way. If it was against years, the rules,
1: right? Because Roddenberry had the whole no conflict thing, so there was yeah, never yeah. any mutiny.
2: Yeah, except yeah. For this. If you if they wait until you get to like the Deep Space Nine era, it happens all the time. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, and I, and I feel like this is the no conflict thing works, and it would have to be something like this for there to be conflict. It would have to be, uh, you know, a galactic level boner to have other crew members, you know, shun you.
0: Well, I, you know what I like about it? Court-martial scene being too artsy-fartsy uh, irrespective. I love the fact that we finally get a situation where a, a member of the senior staff tries to take over the ship, incapacitates the captain, and actually gets in trouble for it. <laughs> yeah. Did it anybody... Is how many times did Data do that?
5: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so Michael Burnham can do a Vulcan nerve pinch. I thought only Vulcans could do a Vulcan nerve pinch. I know I know we saw 7 of 9 do it once. 7 and of 9
0: did it once, Data did it once. Uh it's it's never it's never been said that only
1: Vulcans can do it. It's but the, is the, it psychic or physical? physical? Because it's I've never quite gotten a grasp. Yeah, I, I think
3: it's. I think it's basically physical, and maybe psychic helps. I
2: read in a novel one, and of course the novels are not canon, but I read in a novel once that when a Vulcan does the nerve pinch. I keep wanting to call it the Vulcan Death Grip, but that's not what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> then when, de- when they do the nerve pinch, there's a small amount of electricity that comes out of their fingers that has to do with their telepathy, and that's that, what, what takes... That's one. not canon,
0: no. Yeah. Because the the only canon reference to it is Spock does that... I want to say, was it in Piece of the Action? Um, Spock nerve pin- pinches somebody. Kirk says, I wish you could teach me that. And Spock goes, I have tried, Captain. So... <laughs> Spock has a reasonable expectation that a human could do it.
3: Okay. I always thought yeah, it as. Go ahead. John. I thought I always, I always thought of it as more basically like a pressure point thing.
2: Well, I mean, it kind of reinforces the, the idea that maybe not only Vulcans could do it, but only Vulcans can really do it well because she didn't go out for very long.
1: You know, she was, oh,
3: she, was yeah. she was
2: back on the bridge in just a few seconds, you know. If a Vulcan yeah. had done it, she might have been out for 15, 20 minutes. <laughs>
3: yeah. You know, so. That's a very good point. I,
4: I, I've always viewed it as as a, a pressure thing myself because uh be, they, they do refer to it as the nerve pinch rather than the neck pinch.
5: Yeah.
4: And by saying nerve, then that. Gives the sense that they're going for, you know, like you said, some type of pressure point thing. And let's not forget, Captain Picard was able to pull it off once as well. It. We, we started yeah, to get to a point true. in 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 the twenty fourth century stories. We started to get to a point where it almost seemed too easy because sometimes people would just do it out of nowhere.
0: Um. Well. well actually, Actually. <laughs> so I pushed my glasses up. The nerve pinch and or neck pinch is never actually spoken in the show anywhere.
1: What about death grip?
0: That, com- that <laughs> comes from the Enterprise incident, and
4: the death grip doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. I um, might but- just be thinking of space balls. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> okay, so the show opens and we see Takuma, and he's giving a speech, and uh, everything is in Klingon, which I love. You know, the Klingons are actually speaking Klingon to each other and not English. Oh, you love that, eh? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and we're seeing, you know, the subtitles at the bottom, and mm-hmm. and uh, he's telling them that he wants to reunite the 24 houses of the Klingon race against those whose creed would be, we come in peace. And uh, obviously we talked uh, last week about the fact that the Klingons look different and we estimated or we theorized that the way that they look would be a plot point. But it looks like they're no, they're, that's just the way they look, because when they brought in the leaders of the 24 houses, they all were redesigned, too. So it looks like they yeah. just they just redesigned the Klingons, which I mean, which is fine. They always redesign the
5: Klingons.
2: <laughs> but uh, but. I did like uh the fact that the Klingons don't all look the same shade you know they're all they even had one that had uh a form of uh was like a a form of an albino I guess and yeah, and, and and that son played into his character uh what was his name ofbach uh,
0: yeah. yeah son son of none
2: yeah son of none yeah, that's right <laughs> so uh but yeah that was interesting that the the because one thing about the Klingons is they they usually look about the same color. It's like that would be a pretty boring. <laughs> 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 they're all wearing the same clothes and they're all the same color. You know, that's that's a, a boring uh, thing to look around at. But you, all of the houses they had a different.
0: All of the people from the different houses they all had like a different look. Yeah, I, I like that. The I mentioned this last time, and it's it's being held out. I'm I haven't given up on the that they're. That maybe we'll see the Klingons we're used to, maybe towards the mm-hmm. end. Um, but I loved how, yeah, there were morphological differences between the different households, not just not just skin color, but ridge shape and head shape, facial and, piercings, and, and, yeah. yeah, all that stuff.
3: Yeah. When you um, say when you say the Klingons we're used to, do you mean original series Klingons or Next Generation Klingons?
0: Well, that I don't know yet. I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I oh man, There's yeah, room that's for them a. All. That, that's a I'm, can of worms. Well, I, I, we're going I, I, to see people from the house. Of, we're we're going to see – there is a character, I don't know if we've met them yet, who is from the house of Kor. Now, I doubt we'll see Kor himself because, one, John Kolakos is very dead now.
5: Yeah.
0: Uh, not well, they've also recast Sarek, so who knows. Um, you know, they may – it's so hard to tell what's going to be happening, what, how much yeah, of canon yeah. they're taking, they're, they're going to use, how the much of canon is even canon, canon anymore.
1: Correct, because he shows up on DS9. And he's got
2: ridges on his
0: forehead. Yeah. yeah.
4: So, yeah. Well, they, retroactively that can be explained, because in Enterprise, when they give the explanation for the difference in appearance... They say it wears off slowly, yeah. <laughs> well, not not only that, but, but they say, um, you know, I think the the, the Klingon uh, scientist says this could be a new a new uh, cosmetic surgery thing. Yeah, yeah. so they see,
1: all it, all of those explanations it. are being argued by the nerds right now because <laughs> because these these Klingons look so different. It's not just a, a slight difference in in the the shape of the the ridges and the forehead. They've got different noses. They've got and you know what? Who cares? I like it. You know, what,
4: I know, I, know I do. I know I care. I want everything to make sense. I want everything to, yeah. to line up perfectly, and and I know that it's not going to happen. I know that it's something <laughs> that is just going to be impossible. I because totally get that. I if you, on on one hand you have the fact that you know we have new Klingons that they're not the 1960s Klingons, they're not the 80s and 90s Klingons, uh, they're not the 2009 Klingons. It's yet another new set. With new outfits and new um, uh, design mm-hmm. styles for their ships, um, and these Klingons, they, they seem to have trouble speaking Klingon. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, um, it's called rubber teeth. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, r- rubber teeth, mouthful of marbles, and and let everyone. Me, let, me,
1: let me let me just take it back to time here a little bit. At this um, meter. 1980, when when the motion picture came out, those Klingons looked so different, yeah. and nobody cared.
0: Well, we cared. Well, we but said, we said accepted it's, well, it's a movie they got more was, money to spend yeah, on the face, Exactly. Right? It was like, <laughs> hey, these Klingons look very different from the TV show because we had more than 10 bucks a piece to outfit exactly. them. <laughs> yeah.
3: Does that explanation not apply here? It absolutely um,
4: does. It totally yeah. does, yeah.
3: And they explain they as far as the
4: tech, think. yes. To to me as far as the technology that that's what I go with. I I'm I find myself justifying it by saying If TOS were made today, then Kirk and Spock and Uhura and Bones and all of them would be on a ship that looks this stylized Mm. and this expensive. And they would have holographic displays and transparent screens and, you know, full motion holograms that walk around the room Except but the it only now. reason, but Which the only cool, re- actually. yeah, and and they sit down too. And the only reason <laughs> yeah. that we didn't see that on TOS was because of the budgetary constraints of the show. So we just have to pretend that all that fancy looking stuff was there, but just represented by different way. by by cardboard
1: consoles and plywood uh, bulkheads. Well, you know, Walter Koenig looks nothing like Anton Yelchin, and yet we have to accept they were the same person. So. Uh, suspended guys just
2: yeah the, the hologram thing was was, was a, a little strange not the fact that there was a hologram but uh the, the hologram turns to the view screen and orders something to be thrown up on the view screen and like, yeah isn't that kind of like watching a tv that's on your monitor <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> the scary thing is that we'll probably be doing that in about 10 yeah. years that actually so, didn't
3: bother me at all it was
1: know, that's I, that, that's real I, tech yeah.
3: And they explained, the, uh, they explained
2: the, the the way that the – I know you were uh, joking about the way that the Klingons were talking, but they explained a little bit of that on uh, After Trek in that they didn't want the Klingons' voices to sound human. They wanted their – they wanted everything about the way that they sounded to
1: sound. Yeah, legitimate. that's what they said after the fact. What yeah. actually happened was <laughs> they had a bunch of actors who couldn't speak Klingon, had to recite these lines off a monitor off to the left while wearing rubber teeth. So yeah, that's that, that,
0: that was – you that was what? my big problem with the, the, the Klingon redesign. I love how alien they look now, mm-hmm. but yeah, the, the fact that they very clearly can barely speak through the dental appliances.
1: Because um, in fact, a man if you wa- who speaks like this cannot <laughs> inspire an right. army.
0: Yeah. Right? If, if you if you watched the after track, there was one scene where they were showing some behind the scenes stuff and the guy playing to they were showing him trying to do his, one of his speeches. And the poor dude was just drooling uncontrollably. Yeah, it was it was like, that is really gross. But I feel for the dude, because if, if you've ever tried to have some kind of like or like have your, your teeth cast, you ever had like a a, a a cast made of your teeth at the yeah, dentist? Oh yeah. You know, imagine that feeling and having to then speak through it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I really wish they had kind of and, and also, you know, his his entire face was got the lips were, were were latex and stuff. So it was just like it, it, that's the only thing is it, it's so obviously difficult for the actors to work through the mouths of that makeup that it tends to pull me out of the moments when they're
3: speaking. Why wouldn't they just record over here? here.
0: Well, that's the thing. I was. Why didn't they just do some ADR? Yeah. Uh, and because they did that all the time, in because in they
3: wanted TV.
1: people to realize the Klingons were alien.
4: Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. And it's a good thing because I would have had trouble realizing it if they hadn't uh, <laughs> if they hadn't had them actually speak. That's true.
0: But I, I will say this about the new Klingon look. Okay, and I'm going to make a Godzilla analog- analogy here. Can't wait. <laughs> all right, in the 70s and the 80s. Godzilla became this cute, cuddly, good guy monster that, you know, in every movie, some little group of two or three children were Godzilla, come help us. And Godzilla would just kind of nod and do some sort of goofy semaphore sign language at them and then go beat up the monster of the week uh, or of the movie or whatever. And then wave jauntily as he walked back out into the ocean. Then in the 90s, people remembered Godzilla was actually a freaking monster. And they redesigned him and they had him no more children he was stomping cities and crushing boats and and doing the sort of things a 200 foot tall radioactive dinosaur would do if the klingons that we're used to from the T- from you know TMP on shit were were the klingons that that the Shenzhou encountered it wouldn't have been scary it would have been like here we go again yeah these are new Klingons. These these are this is putting us in the same boat as the Federation starships in that they haven't seen a Klingon in over a hundred years. There, ha- there have been encounters, obviously, within the past twenty years because Michael's entire you know family was killed by them. But nobody has seen a Klingon in a hundred years, and all of a sudden here is. A ship that's three times bigger than the one you're on, and it's covered in freaking corpses. Yeah, it's (laughs) invisible
1: as well too.
3: (laughs) Yeah,
1: I mean that's the introduction of cloaking, right? We we kind of glossed over that, but that's that's where it comes from.
0: Well, yeah, and so, and then you see them, and they're freaking Nosferatu on steroids. I'm digging this. These are scary bad guys for a change, yeah. and they're not just, we're evil. They're, they're, there's, there's layers to them, and there's, there's plots behind plots, and there's, we agree with you. No, we're not. Fuck you. Yes, you know it. And, and it was like, we have not seen this sort of of, of uh, fully rounded existence in the Klingons ever.
1: That's a really good point, because in TNG, they were sort of this caricature of honor and Mm -hmm. um, culture Mm -hmm. and the house of my father. This is much more nuanced, and that's why I like that opening sequence, because what he says is something that you could actually believe is being said right now on our planet by a a certain country that (laughs) shall remain nameless at the moment. But (laughs) it's, it's a really honest political opinion. And it works, yeah. and it, it. I think part sort of lost in the episode is that what's actually happening is the the Klingon Empire has been dispersed for a long time, and they're coming back together under a martyr's name. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, we already said he gets
0: killed. So. Yeah.
2: What did you guys think of the uh, sequence where Michael is flying outside the ship?
1: Where she says, "Cool." Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was great.
2: That's cool. Yeah, that was that was some really really good uh, special effects. One of the things that I liked about this uh, version of Star Trek is that the uh, the ships when they're facing each other, they don't necessarily have to be on the same uh, even plane. That, you know, yeah. they're, they're kind of sitting cockeyed to each other and and things like that. That's one thing that always kind of got on my nerves in Star Trek because they're in space. You know, they're not <laughs> they're not on the water. Uh, But yeah, that was...
1: Still sound, though, for some reason. (laughs) Yeah. Grinding metal explosions.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's one thing that um, that the 2009 movie did really well. There's a scene that is replicated in the pilot where... uh, Sorry. Yeah. Where a person is blasted out into space.
2: Yeah.
1: And in 2009, that was done with absolute silence. This time it didn't happen. Yeah. But...
2: Yeah, we they did. They did have another for, an, another uh, callback to the 2009 movie when they showed uh, childhood Michael Burnham in the mm-hmm. Vulcan Learning Center. Obviously, they got the design of the Vulcan Learning Center from what they made
1: for the 2009. No, movie. that's so, that's from the animated series.
2: Oh, is it? Okay.
1: Yeah, they're, they're it's all been dry so dry.
0: long since yeah. <laughs> since I saw that. But, <laughs> well, then also in Star Trek Four, no. Yeah, four. At the beginning of four, Spock, he's not in like a, a, a room full of pits or anything, but he's taking yeah, a similar test. Mm-hmm.
5: Oh
4: yeah, In
0: fact, yeah, yeah, oh, in fact, that. they even mentioned they even mentioned one of the Starfleet ships was the Tiplana
4: Hoth, which I, I saw that. The I, took, I took note of that the starship, right? Wow,
0: uh, I would assume so. Uh,
1: because at, at one point in in this show. Um, Burnham mentions that she wanted to join the Vulcan Expeditionary Force, which I don't recall ever hearing about before. So I thought that Vulcans joined Starfleet, and then they would put some of them together into one ship to create a, like an all-Vulcan ship. But obviously, there's a different option for Vulcans.
4: That'd be a fun ship. That's the party ship right there. Yeah. Now, Vulcan is a, is a member of the Federation, and and Vulcans will join Starfleet and serve on Starfleet vessels, but Vulcan also has their own, uh, you know, their own fleet of ships that right. they're not Starfleet ships; they're Vulcan ships. And I'm assuming that that's what Michael was talking about. She wanted to serve on a Vulcan ship, but instead, she that's is going to serve on a Starfleet ship, which is a you know a, a different institution uh, altogether. So. I'm I'm assuming that the Teplana Hoth is um, just a Starfleet ship, probably just named after a Vulcan luminary.
1: No, they, not, nece- not necessarily. There's an episode crude. of the original series where that and, was the Intrepid. Yeah, it, it, the Intrepid was all Vulcans. Yeah, and it was this like throwaway plot point that never really came back. That's really right. intriguing to I stop don't. and think about it. Yeah.
0: That mm-hmm. was the ship that was killed
1: by the big space amoeba. and, and Spock felt the whole thing. Yep.
4: And okay. there, there were. I took down some of the other um, ship names that I thought were were interesting. Um, I think they had a ship named after Ars- Arthur C. Clarke. Um, they had a ship named after Sally Ride, Thomas and, Edison. Yep, Thomas Edison, Amelia Earhart, and in an, a nod to the fans of Enterprise, they had a ship named after um, Shran. <laughs> I missed that? Excuse oh, me.
0: yeah, I, I did hear the. Yeah. I, I it, it was,
4: it was the, the sh- second name. It was it was Clark and Shran. Those, yeah, those Shran. they were the first two ships that that, that were named. So apparently, after Enterprise, uh, Shran became
1: uh, I guess even more important. <laughs> well, that was the plan for season five. He was supposed to be yeah. the, the bridge officer. And,
0: uh, well, that that was oh, another nice weird. thing about one of. Uh, one of uh takovma's uh tirades where he he mentions all of the major races of the federation the the humans the vulcans the tellarites the andorian the mm-hmm. filthy andorians, the filthy andorians. <laughs> uh and um the telerites
1: vulcans that's, mm-hmm. that's the first four
0: yeah. that's yep. a, oh, okay yeah and hum okay yeah
1: um and so you know, nobody talks about the Tellarites because that makeup was horrible. And yeah. y- y- you can't do it modern. So just let them go.
0: Enterprise it's, tried. I got give to them, give them props for yeah. trying. They, uh, they
4: did just, try, but there's only so much you can do with that particular alien design.
0: Yeah.
2: I did like the fact that even though uh, Michael was raised by Sarek, they didn't hit us over the head with, hey, see, Spock's sister. Yeah, remember mm. spock <laughs> you know spock <laughs> this is his sister I mean, never even i don't believe we ever even heard his name so uh i don't think so. nope not i yet. was
1: watching for it not once
2: and was did, <clears throat> th- does sarek seem to take more of an interest in her life than he took in Spock? oh life? hell yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> now you understand yeah <laughs> that's why spock was so pissed off at his dad
4: yeah oh, there, there you go dad what is it with you and humans you marry I, a human, and then you marry another human, and you're raising a human? Come on.
0: And I, I think Sarek's got a little uh, human fever going on there.
4: <laughs> I was trying to not be weird about it. Thanks.
3: Thank <laughs> it. I don't know if it counts as fever if he actually marries her. But that's beside the point. He's I, got the pon far for yeah. <laughs> Here's Here's what... Um, obviously, Cerek is 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 like he's doing all those all the um, interview circuits, he's a major character, or at least a recurring character, uh, on the show.
0: Talking about characters or, or Sarek himself?
3: <laughs> well obviously Sarek. James Sarek's James on uh, Federation
0: this morning. Yeah. James <laughs> uh,
3: frain, yeah. Um yeah. But I haven't heard any mention of casting of uh, his wife or uh, Amanda. What's up with that?
1: Uh, there you was mention her. early on. I think she was one of the first people announced as a cast member.
3: Okay, so, so she I, will...
1: I, there's somebody coming along who's going to play her.
3: Okay, because it would be weird. It would be weird if, you know, this The show focuses on, mm. you know, this Vulcan father and human wife raising a human child, and we just don't see the wife.
1: No, she's in it, I... I'm sorry, I don't have it in front of me, but I remember that when the show was first announced, uh, Amanda Grayson was announced as one of the major characters. Okay.
2: The long-distance telepathy was a little, a little strange. I don't think that's something that we've uh, seen before. No. Nope. I know, I know, you know, after a mind meld, you might have visions of someone, but I don't think they've ever actually communicated over light years of space.
3: Well, he like explained explain it. Yeah, he had, he had to do a special thing. Yeah. To. to- <laughs> I, I assume he saved her life when he did it. Is that the impression that you guys got that he?
0: Well, he he put up he when he melded with her as a child, and you know, the, the, uh, not not judging, but he he put a piece of his life force, his Katra, <laughs> yeah, gotcha. into her, kind uh, of he, turned her into a horcrux. So... Oh, oh, you <laughs> stole
4: it! I was I was saying it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You and me were done professionally. <laughs> told you guys. Fucking Diva there. Nerds. <laughs> <There it is. laughs>
0: yeah, so um, uh, Go ahead. Uh but yeah, so uh you know I, I I Oh wow. We're not gonna see Sarek again this season. Are we not? I'm 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 I'm, IND, I'm I indeed I'm I am on IMDb trying to see if there's a listing for Amanda Grayson. Mm-hmm. There isn't, and Sarek is James Frain's only listed as one episode. Oh, wow! Well, he, but was he was, in, was saying on, he was on,
1: yeah. So well, they also right. had they oh, look, also they, had, they kept everything a, a huge secret going into this.
2: Yeah, they also uh, had yeah. you listed as 15 episodes, and exactly. obviously she died last night. So yeah, but there's. She, yeah, there's so going to be flashbacks galore. Yeah,
1: there's, there's going to be flashbacks with her. Uh, I have no doubt that she's still part of the show.
0: Yeah, but so uh, the, yeah, I'm not seeing any listing for Amanda on on IMDb anyway.
2: The episode ends. Uh, of course, we talked about uh, Michael doing a Vulcan nerve pinch on the Captain. Uh, the captain comes out of the ready room, takes Aim at Michael with her phaser, tells her to stand down, and then twenty four Klingon ships show up. And that's uh, another thing that reminded me of the two thousand nine movie is the way that they drop out of warp, where they're just yeah, kind of pop. popping yeah. in, the, in the place. Yeah. Um, and so, so Michael has kind of Wars, a too. yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, but Michael kind of has an authority problem. <laughs> she, I mean, <laughs> she, she's willing to disobey orders if she doesn't agree with them if she thinks that it's going to save the crew, you know, uh, I we don't, we don't usually see straight
3: up mutiny like that, but <laughs> yeah, my, my wife, uh, she was com- when I say completely oblivious, she didn't know there was another star Trek show coming. Like she had no idea. So I was like, Hey, you want to, you want to watch this? Uh, this yeah. I movies? have one of those. It would, no, it was <laughs> great. Like she's a fan. She just did not know she was, you know, doing other stuff. Anyway, <laughs>
4: She my wife has had no choice but to you
3: know. I she, she doesn't <laughs> I have not let, let for To you. me, or my hobby, so, uh, so she she had she had the benefit of you know, absolutely knowing nothing about it, and she said. I've been sending that, my
2: wife a countdown for about six months now. So <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: she she really loved like she's like that. That Burnham is basically an anti-hero. and like there hasn't been another one. Not really. I mean kirk kind of like they're they're people have rebellious streaks but they're not like
2: you know well she was very emotional to have been raised as a vulcan basically she she was on the verge of tears a lot <laughs>
0: yes well, i think I, that's something I, we're I, going I, to see yeah yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's, that's, that's part of her character
1: I, that's right that's, that's where the your, uh, cameos will come back from because I, I i got the impression from this episode that she shows up on the Shenzhou and she's cold and Vulcan. And then she learns how to be human from her new yeah. captain. Seven years. And that's why the betrayal was so huge. And why the death was so massive. Because that scene where she comes back to the Shenzhou. Oh, and on, the a, on the transporter.
3: Bed? yes,
1: That's a genuine death reaction. That's great acting, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The transporter effect was really good, too. I, I, I'm, not to get off the subject, but the transporter effect really... They always, every... In, uh, version of Star Trek, they changed the way the transporter looks. Mm-hmm. And this time, it really looked like they were just disintegrating.
1: <laughs> yeah, I you know, do like that. They actually. made a point of actually <laughs> pointing that out in the show. Um, when Burnham, in the flashback, first shows up on the Shenzhou, she says, lateral transport has been outlawed or something. And the captain says, oh, we're an old ship. Yeah. Right. so I, That's outdated. some kind of weird little outdated, movie, right. something in between that we never saw before.
0: Yeah. My oh, and I, I love how just every now and then they throw in one little sound effect from TOS. Yeah. You know, like oh, when they, they, have when the, they the, energized the and they got that. Them, yeah. No, that that
1: that actual scene where where she first comes to the ship and she steps onto the bridge. Yeah. You hear the bridge stuff. in full swing. We hadn't heard that before in that episode.
3: Yeah, so, I didn't get the um, I didn't get the um, the goosebumps from the the opening sequence like you, Rick, but when. Uh, when she walked in, and like the sounds of the yeah. bridge, the, like the the sound that you play under your under your show, mm-hmm. like that they, that was like a warm blanket. Yeah, that and was the so doors
2: when, when they walk when they walk through the doors, they sounded like the original series doors. And, and,
4: mm-hmm. The 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 ambient bridge sounds, um, uh, you know the the pings in the background, um, the communicator sounds, uh, all the familiar sound effects that they brought in, um, for for this series gave such such a sense of calm and comfort, yeah Re- regardless of what was going on in in the scene once you have that little mm-hmm. and just there there would be a part of a part of me in the back of my mind that would say no matter what's happening with the plot, okay, we got that <laughs> yeah. that that oh. that's that's your anchor sound and as long as you hear it you know that everything's going to be okay for at least the next couple seconds because you have that sound in your head
3: I was yeah. initially annoyed at the like how dark it was on the bridge I, I, but like up until like 10 minutes ago I was annoyed um, but I've decided to forgive it because you know uh, instead of comparing it to the other ships the other bridges from the other shows um, I compared it to a submarine, which is kind of what a starship is. Yeah, okay. and that's and so that's about the level of lighting that there would be. So I'm, I'm I still don't love it, and it doesn't mm-hmm. look like the Discovery looks like that. No, so I think I'm. I think I'll be okay.
0: There is one you know, problem what? I have with this show. And oh, right. it, from a from I mean, there, there's there's you know, there's there's several nitpicks, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, a ship with that many windows doesn't have shutters, um, you know, st- stuff like that. But <laughs> this show, at least as as of right now, this show cannot be somebody's first Star Trek. It can mm-hmm. be somebody's only Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But if you go oh, from what see. we've seen, if, if you're starting from what we've seen, and then you go to Next Gen or Voyager, you're going to be like, "What the fuck just happened?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and I don't know if you know as it goes along. I know I've I've uh, I've mentioned before the designers have said that as the series goes on, and they've already said they're they're Netflix has already paid for the show. Yeah. The Netflix deal that they've cut to to release it on Netflix outside of the U.S. Uh, has already paid for season one. Mm-hmm. Season two has been green-lighted, or greenlit, however you want to put that. By all accounts, that's not official, but the the rumor mill is is in agreement that season two has been greenlit, and the designers and the writers are talking about season two, and they're saying they are. As the show goes on, they t- they're going to kind of edge the design towards Tos a bit. Um. So I don't know what we'll what we've got down the line. But what I saw last night, as wonderful as it is, I don't think will do new fans of service uh, in going on with other Star Trek. I could be
1: wrong about that. Because what you're saying is that if you showed this to somebody who wonders why you love Star Trek so much, they're going to watch this and say, yeah, it was pretty good, but I don't get it. Why do you love Star Trek so much?
3: Well, I think he's he's saying saying, saying if you... If you watch this show and you expect the other shows to be like it, oh, you're, you'd be wrong. If you start with
4: this one and then move on to Next Generation, the first thing they're going to say when Encounter Far Farpoint starts
1: is, did they make this in a garage? Yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I've been trying to get to watch Star Trek since the early 1990s. <laughs> and yeah. I had one that kind of liked Next Generation but wasn't too into it. And even now, they just they, they, they shake their heads. But this would get them watching it. Yeah. But if did
3: they I went like back the to watch the original shows, they would probably they, disown me. Do so. they like the, uh, the Abrams verse?
1: Um, one of them does, yeah. And we went to see all three, and he likes those. But Star Trek's a hard sell if you weren't part of that generation. Right, and, yeah. you know, Rick really summed it up when he was talking about how he was getting all teary eyed watching the opening. Uh, because that little musical cue did not appear in Star Trek after the original series. The other shows went out of their way to distance themselves from that. Yeah. So, it's kind of like, do you remember the trailer for The Force Awakens? Where the Falcon came crashing out of the ocean and the music came up? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Triggered something, right? Yeah. This does that.
3: The opening um, sequence... Um, which I liked. Um, the first time I saw it, I like think I said on Facebook, it, it's you know it reminds me of like a James Bond opening. Um, and you, Rick said it was you know kind of the sketchy like like Game of Thrones uh, Marvel Netflix series, which I didn't mm-hmm. think about, but I when I watched the actual show, um, because you know they they released the the um, the the title like. The, earlier that day I think yeah. when i actually when I actually watched the show, it reminded me of um especially with you know the 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 parts where they're you know showing the tech and showing the phasers it it's it's like um it's like the sketches of da vinci yeah it's it's you you really see and and, it's, and like the the kind of parchment background to it uh, and i'm i can't believe i didn't see it before but it it you really see them crafting. This universe, you know, it's mm-hmm. this is like just kind of step by step. This is this is the drawing board, and we're going to bring you into the Star Trek universe. This is ten years before Kirk, and here's how we got there. Okay. So, uh, so
1: what what if this is not a uh, a relaunch? What if it's a reboot? What if this is the third alternate universe, and we're starting from scratch? Well,
2: they. I think they said uh, that that's not what they're
1: I mean, they said a lot of things. Yeah, they, they said, they said that, that, I'm I'm that sure. Michelle Yeoh was the star of the show, so come on. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But what if that's actually what's happening here? It, 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 what if they've actually said uh fuck canon?
2: How many universes can you have before it
3: gets uh, just so uh, I'm a so DC comics
1: <laughs> reader, my friend, so come on.
3: I like, I like 40 <laughs> universes are infinite. But what if that's
1: what this actually is? Like, it, I, it's just a complete reboot. They've, they've said a couple of times that they don't plan to address the canon issues right off the bat, but they will. So what if that's what they're actually doing with the five episodes and they say, oh, by the way.
0: If the stories are different. good, I'm there. You mm-hmm. know, I have aesthetic problems with the J.J. movies, but two of them, well, one of them is pretty good. <laughs> One of them is really good. The middle one, I just ignore because they're ignoring it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, as long as the stories and the people are fine, I can cope with you know strange rectangular warp nacelles and and Klingon ships that look like they're made of stone and and you know wiggly weird nacelles and, and stuff. I you know that's all design. That's all. You know, when you get a bunch of. Uh, you know i i'm i'm a show business person so i know any time you do a show that's been done before and most of this you know it, you can't keep doing new plays all the time unless you're you know have a lot of money so you're always reimagining something and i'm cool with that as long as it works you know if it's mm-hmm. if it's a good story and it doesn't insult my intelligence with shit like red matter and beaming across the
4: universe <laughs> uh
0: <laughs> I'm I'm there for
4: the ride. I think there will be a lot of people who um, – well, maybe, maybe not a lot. There there will be some people like Rick who, if they say this is yet another alternate timeline, some people will say, you know what, that's fine because it's still Star Trek and it's still fun and I want the franchise to continue and I'm behind it. Uh, however, the people the, – the Star Trek fans who – have been opposed to this series since it was announced and have been doing nothing but but doomsaying the entire time will definitely latch onto that as justification for their hating it and it will fuel their, hate, their hatred even more and a lot of people who wanted to like this series if they find out that it is not following the Prime timeline but making another one mm-hmm. are going to feel frankly betrayed I would... These are the people who have been wanting to see the the series that they have followed and loved continue. The yeah. people who are disappointed that this was not a 24th century story, but we are instead once again going back in time. Yeah. The people who no are disa- disappointed Chewbac, in right? Right. The people who are yeah. disappointed in that, who who wish that we could get an Admiral Riker TV series, <laughs> they they will
1: them. feel. I still get a bit of a joke yeah. for that concept. So <laughs> they,
4: they, they will feel doubly uh, betrayed that not only did, did they fail to give us continuation of the stories that we've been following, but they are again throwing out all the stories that we followed so they can make entirely new ones.
3: I, I would agree that it would be kind of a betrayal. And I also, I'm inclined to think that they're not going to do that because, uh, well, I'm an optimist. And also, like, there's really no reason to do it. If you're establishing this new cast of this new crew, this new storyline, the only reason you would need to reboot the original is if you're going to interact with, you know, Enterprise characters. And they don't have to do that. There's no, they they don't have to do that. If you're telling a singular story... Your path never crossed the enterprise,
1: but my, my concern is all this talk about how they've got like a new method of propulsion and such, so I'm just worried they're going to take it into some kind of space where it's like a brand new concept, and they can just wipe the slate clean by doing what you guys just talked about and saying don't worry about that other stuff. it doesn't matter now, and that's what I worry about
0: yeah. I don't think that's going to happen just because everybody involved in the show now let's let's talk. Would this be a good time to talk about after the After Trek show? Yeah, yeah. Um, because they ask this question. Okay, After Trek is CBS's doing what we do, we're doing right now. It's Talking immediately Trek. after. Yeah, immediately after the show, uh, they are they do a. It, it was mm-hmm. like a 45-minute live. Uh, show now. I I will say the host is annoying as shit.
1: Matt, Myra okay, I push. should I should point out that reason, I have not reason, seen this.
0: Before.
2: The reason that he got that, Matt, Matt Myra, Matt Myra, excuse me, he's a uh, comedian, and the reason he got the job is because his best friend is Chris
3: Hardwick, and Chris Hardwick yes. gets uh, gets
2: all the after shows for all the other mm-hmm. shows.
3: He, yeah. did, he didn't want it to do I mean, another one, so he, he gave well, it to everybody. he is a super, super, super Star Trek nerd. Yeah, yeah like, I will
0: grant you, he knows his Trek. That yeah. that I do not doubt one bit. And,
3: and yeah, he hosts the Nerdist often, or he used to do it more, but he hosts the Nerdist with with uh, Chris Hardwick.
0: But he he needs to dial it back just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But anyway, he had maybe we uh,
1: should take over. Hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 he had the the dude uh, the the frame dude that played Zarek, uh yeah. in the in the studio with them and that table they have is fucking nice i want that thing so yeah, bad yeah
2: giant delta sitting <laughs> yeah
0: um and one of the writers i forget which one uh and then they also talked to Sneak Brown and and uh, uh several other Martin green It was a color i got it close <laughs> <laughs> oh my <laughs> Yeah, I said her first name, right? Isn't that? Don't I get props anything for that? Anyway, um, <laughs> but one of the things they they talked about was uh, oh, they brought on one of the other writers too for a little bit, and they talked about how do you deal with fifty years of canon? And they were all admitting it's intimidating as hell, uh, but you know, you either. Just kind of suck it up and move on, or you sit there and quivering in terror, and you don't get anything done. Um, yeah. Which I could I could definitely respect that because you know no matter what you do, there is going to be a percentage of Trek fans who say everything you've put out is an absolute cosmic mm-hmm. turd. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're oh, gonna talk about some they, of that. They they are yeah, <laughs> the, and what he said was their their biggest. Uh, uh, I don't know if "weapon" is the right word, but the biggest tool in their toolbox for for main, you know, per, for preserving Star Trek is that they are all huge Star Trek fans. And what I saw last night, while it, you know, it did not look like the Star Trek we know, uh, it didn't not either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they were not. Yes, there's a, there's, a, there's a certain amount of the Kelvin universe look to it because they are trying to keep people whose first Star Trek is the J.J. movies. Right. Uh, and but, that but makes that's sense.
1: So the way that TV looks now. Yeah. Uh, Sh- Sean made this point uh, on your first show was that TV has changed a lot since Enterprise went off the air.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah
1: absolutely. So shows have to look a certain way. And the show looks like a modern TV show. Yeah, and, and, and sadly, so, sort of the JJ first movies. So.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. Um, well, the the line between movies and TVs is movies and TV shows has really blurred a lot over the last decade. Um, so, I I don't think we have to worry about massive canon ruptures. Uh, you know, things may look a little different, but you know. Things look a hell of a lot different from the 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 William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy days, and we all we all Thank learned to God. cope with that, yeah. Um, so,
2: well, if we're gonna we talk about some of the uh, some of the fan reactions before we do, let me let me play a little bit a little piece of music here.
5: It's okay to not like things. <laughs> it's okay, but don't be a dick about it. It's okay to not like things. Don't be oh. a dick about the things you don't like. So that
2: is my, uh, my 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 mantra when uh, when dealing with some of the people that I run into on some of these uh, Facebook forums. I actually saw, okay, so, I mean, not all of them are, are are bad. I mean, I saw one that said, I love, love, love these opening credits. They're my favorite since TNG. Uh, I saw one that said, I don't know how the Klingons got uglier, but here we are. <laughs> um, I have to agree with the overall consensus that Droid on Deck is straight out of Daft Punk. And then the one that really got me, I, I mentioned earlier, I saw someone on the forum that said they, they give this show a 5 out of 10. Simply because of the holograms, because they didn't have that technology in that time period. Please oh, shut up. <laughs>
4: well, well, see they that's would, the If thing, they could I, afford I, it, they would. <laughs> I, I I have to kind of side with them on that a little bit. If if for no other reason than the fact that it was during the run of Deep Space Nine that they cracked the holographic communication technology. Mm-hmm, that's right.
5: Yeah,
2: but it doesn't ruin the. It doesn't make it a five out of ten. For that and well, they're, they're,
1: well, yeah, there's I, they lost the technology, okay. right?
2: What's that, that, Kennedy? What'd
1: you say? There's an idea that they lost this technology. That something has happened
2: yeah, that no. knocks
1: them back in time a couple hundred years. Well technology was.
2: And everybody please stop saying that the Orville is better than Discovery because it's not
1: the Orville is not better than Discovery. The Orville is a piece of ugh.
2: I mean, I'm seeing Star Trek fans that are calling the Orville Star Trek the Next Generation season eight. I'm like, no. Nope. It's not. <laughs> I mean the, the 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 last episode, granted, was pr- was pretty decent, but overall, I just I feel like they're trying to de- they're trying so hard to be Star Trek, but with more
1: jokes. You know, well, you know how whenever there's like a big Hollywood blockbuster, uh, you get an asylum film right afterwards. So <laughs> yeah, Transformers, yeah, yeah. you get. Trans- Transmorphers lasers. morphers right yeah. um
2: snakes on the terrain
1: this is basically <laughs> the asylum version of Galaxy quest
3: yeah yeah, uh, yeah I, uh, go ahead Rick i I'll, I'll admit
0: uh, rich I don't think rich has put it out yet but the the, the, the this weekend movies you uh not movies you should see oh, I wish we were still doing that show um the the uh uh simply syndicated movie news uh which I enjoy too not, not not lamenting the movie news just missing movies you should see sometimes um it was just rich in me and so uh we decided that instead because there was there wasn't squat for movie news so we just talked about the orville for an hour and a half uh and I was crapping on it and he was not and by the end of the show he had convinced me and I had sort of convinced myself to kind of lighten up on it a little bit and, you know, maybe unclench and try to enjoy it. Um, unclench your egg? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I'm, not, I'm not not
2: enjoying the show. I mean, I, I've watched – there's been three episodes, right, so far? Yeah. And I've watched them and, and I've, I mean, I've liked them, but it's just that it's obviously Smith, Seth MacFarlane wants it to be – he wants to say, I'm making Star Trek. You oh, know? yeah. And um, but the first episode, especially, I talked I I, I talked to John online about this uh, last week, I believe. Um, the first episode just felt like they were shoehorning jokes in. We got to bring the whole scene to a grinding mm. halt so we can tell a joke. Yeah. The second episode got a little bit better. The third episode got a little bit better. So I'm hoping that as it goes along, it'll get better. But you know, it it, it is something that I'm willing to. To watch at least, I don't he think has Fox has
1: to is, figure out what he I wants think, to do. I mean, uh, not think a
2: Fox is going to let or? it stick around? I think I think Fox will eventually kill it anyway. But
3: <laughs> I feel like, and I think you're probably, it sounds like you're about to say the same thing. Uh, it the first like that, that has been a consistent complaint is you know it kind of needs to decide what he wants to be, and I've been, I've been more forgiving of that because it's I mean you know first few episodes you know I got my three episode rule. To, to give it you know, time to find its footing, and it is trying to do a lot, so I'll, I'll give it, I'll, I'll let it, uh, I'll give it more leeway uh, uh, for for trying at a higher degree of difficulty. So it is, it is, yes, it is obviously you know a Star Trek, you know, rip, out, rip off slash homage, whatever you want to call it. It is trying to be a Seth MacFarlane comedy it is trying to be an actual sci-fi series with that may or may not be dramatic at times and it it doesn't have to decide what it wants to be if it can be them all well and that's really tough to do which is why i'm giving it more slack because it's it's trying to be them all and yeah. it's not it's not it's not it's not cutting it the no. first episode was okay I do feel like the second episode was better. I actually feel like the third episode was worse because it veered off more into the dramatic and more into, well, not more into the comedy. It's probably about the same level of comedy. But that didn't work. Yeah. If, you, if you're going to, if you, you can be a show that does all these things, but you don't need to do them all in the same episode. If this is a more serious episode, let it be. If this is a more comedic episode let it be but to have the fairly serious topic of the last episode and serious dramatic moments in it but the defense is you know ridiculous see man this man is stupid so women must be it, smart what no that's, that's yeah. you just got a stupid guy
0: <laughs> that that but, was exactly my problem with that it, it was a you know it was a the concepts were great, and I don't know how much we want to talk about the Orville tonight, but you know the concept was great, and it was dealing with things that we've been complaining that Star Trek has been sidestepping for years. So, but then every now and then there'd be some mcfarlane level, "Hey, that guy's a dick," <laughs> just <laughs> out of
3: nowhere. I didn't even mind that. It, well, I did, but I felt like I get annoyed when I don't feel like you're taking it. it be consistent in your universe yeah if you, if you're if you're an airplane and you're you know police squad and you're in a you're in a silly universe, fine. if you're in a serious universe, fine if you're a silly per- person in a serious universe or vice versa fine but the i but you're not consistent the, the oil vault, as of episode three for me the the orville is is on the ticking clock at this point it's on a downward spiral it needs to It needs to figure it out because Seth McFarland, in the first two episodes, I can believe you're the captain of the ship fine you're 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 a little silly at times fine, but you're you're in command. The last episode he was not i no i I felt like his reactions, the inappropriateness of his jokes, and his wife. Especially during the courtroom scene, and again, just pick a pony and ride it. Yeah. If this is going to be a serious episode, then let it be that. If I and oh, you're <laughs> right, I don't, I don't. Wanna, you know what? We'll 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 do Orville and the next Cosmic potato. I don't want to. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, my, my 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 reason for bringing it up is because there there's all these uh, quote unquote Star Trek fans that. Had written off this show months ago, a year ago, mainly because of the paywall. You know, they 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 had some other things they didn't like the way the Klingons looked, they didn't like the time period that it was in. All, and these, and all these reasons, yeah, all these, yeah, yeah. The, the was a big reason, but um, <laughs> but I ranted about that last but, time. Let's, I us yeah, talking about Axenar, yeah. <laughs> But then the show, but then the show comes out and the show is good, and they're so mad that it's good. <laughs> that they're going on Facebook and and say no no it's not good I give it a C <laughs> Orville the Orville's an I give that an A you know you what? know
3: what though that's fine
2: go if, if, yeah if, if, if you, down if with you the ship, are
3: well no if if you if that could completely be genuine and I believe that if you think that the Orville is a great show you might not think that Discovery is a great show I can totally buy that if 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 you're into you know poop humor, and, and and who is it? You know, <laughs> if, if, if that's your cup of tea, then maybe I could see you think Discovery was boring or, or whatever, Klingons look weird, whatever. That's, that's fine. That's fine. You don't have to pay for it, and that'll be the end of the conversation, so yay.
2: <laughs> well, um, let's do our, uh, if, if anybody has any predictions of what we're going to get Later on, I predict that the Discovery is some kind of a special op ship and that they break Michael out of custody to get her uh, to do some kind of war related mission. Um, I think that I thought that originally I thought that maybe they were going to be the ship that was transporting her to a penal colony or something like that, but, uh, but I actually think that they're going to break her out or maybe the captain just has enough influence that he just intervenes and says hey, I'm taking her I need
4: her <laughs> I think it's the latter I yeah. think it's the latter I, yeah. I think they're doing a Tom Paris with this
1: Yeah that yeah. was how Enterprise started was with the uh, Archer sort of gathering his outlaws Yeah Right? So
3: I was so gonna not, go. I was, I was gonna go. Remo Williams, but okay. <laughs> 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 well, we got to talk about that movie
0: on the show because I think you and I are yeah. the only ones that remember <laughs> that film.
3: <laughs> the adventure
1: begins. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I read all the books. Uh-huh.
0: Just so a quick aside. Any- I I ahead. I met. Uh, well, I didn't meet Joel Gray, but he, he played my theater once, uh, and then, and uh, uh, I was running spotlight for his show. And but his road manager uh, had been has been his manager forever and we got talking about Reedma Williams on the headsets and he, he I asked him, I was like, dude, what happened? The movie was great, why didn't they make any more? He says, We have no fucking idea. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, We were we were thought we thought that was gonna be a whole series and after the first one and it did all right at the box office and they just were like, Nope, not doing anymore. And we have we to this day don't know why.
2: Do you uh Rick, do you have any
0: predictions uh, I think that there will be starships and phasers and <laughs> bears. Oh my! Uh, not really. I uh, this uh, predictions really aren't my thing because I just like to to kind of sit back and go along with the for the ride. Uh, you know, I know there are things I would like to see. I would like to see an explanation for it, for for why the Klingons look so different from what we're used to, but I can live without that. I'd like to see that the vast, vastly different designs of the ships. I'd like to see an explanation for that. Maybe you know, the 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 the, the, the Constitution class is a revolution, and so we, you know, it's it's a, a major step forward in technology, and that's why it's it like looks
1: the so PT different cruiser from cruiser of starships. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
0: But you know, I'm I'm a big ship nerd, so looking at rectangular nacelles and going why. Um, but you know, I don't have to have that answered either. Um, I, you know, I've seen the sneak peek they showed us last night. So I know that, uh, you know, Burnham ends up on the discovery and she's getting the, you know, the, the hairy eyeball from everybody just like Roe Laren did and Tom Paris did. So, you know, I don't know where that's going to go. I don't know how she's on the discovery or why. um, I, I think you're right that the discovery is something different. It's not just another ship. Yeah. Um, whether it survives the series, I don't know. Since you know, we never see another one either. It's a very specific mission. You know, d- you know, a, spe- a mission-specific design, or maybe it gets blown up at the end. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I'm along for the ride, no matter what it's doing. Okay, Kennedy, you have any predictions?
1: Uh, i I'm with Rick on this. i I, I don't want to predict. Okay. I've seen enough from the previews that I think there's going to be some really cool stuff ahead. Uh, I like the idea that they're going to slowly move towards what TOS look like, so some colors and you know the uniforms are a bit bland right now. I'd, I'd like to see some some you know green, red. I just want to go along for the ride, I think, at this point.
2: I do like that they, I mean, there is a little bit of color, like Michael's uniform is a blue jumpsuit, but it has the gold down the sides.
1: Yeah. So they, they're,
2: they're kind that, of getting that, 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 that was That was a
1: neat touch. Thing. You know, they, they yeah. went with the, the whole gold, silver, bronze. That's really cool. But, you know, to me, Star Trek has a lot of color to it. Yeah. And this did not. Let's see how it goes.
4: Okay. Scott? Um, well, I'm...
2: Then you're I'm the prediction them. guy. You used to have a prediction <laughs> podcast. <so. laughs> the,
4: the, the, this is true. Um, I, I fear that I'm going to disappoint you a little bit because I'm kind of with Rick and Kennedy and I don't want to make specific predictions necessarily the storyline that they're presenting us with and where that's going to go. And not just because my wife is in the next room and she hasn't seen the premiere yet and I don't want to <laughs> give her any major spoilers uh, through through the wall. Not just that, but because... When we have a first season that is telling one long story, um, especially with Star Trek, it it's harder to get a good sense of where they're going to go, especially just based on one episode. Um, But rather like what Kennedy said, I think. As far as predictions go, I I did have a a podcast where I just predicted what's going to happen, you know, this season or next episode on this, on this uh, superhero show or that superhero show. So I, I can give some predictions. Uh, for example, before this entire series comes to an end, we're going to see the enterprise. It wouldn't surprise me if we see a Christopher Pike before the series is over. I think they will start introducing division colors into the uniforms and we'll start to see um, a a uniform shift in Starfleet at around this era. Um, I think it's possible that Section 31 will show up somewhere. Sorry, (laughs) Rick. I, okay. I knew it was going to at least get a growl and, <laughs> and maybe some profanity, but I think it's quite possible that they're at least going to get mentioned. Um, I don't know if they'll go so far as to as to say they're responsible for um, for touching off the, this conflict, but if discovery is you know a, a special ship, we have to at least be prepared for the possibility that 31 you know, had some sort of a hand in it. I don't think they'll go so far as to try to suggest that 31 is somehow responsible for or involved in the design and construction of the Enterprise. I think that would be a bridge too far.
2: Yeah.
4: But I think that that the section could very well come up at some point. Okay.
2: Sorry,
4: um, you got anything? Other, Oh, I'm sorry. Other than that, it's whatever they want to give us. No, it, well, other than that, it's really just what just what they what they decide to give us. We're we're going to get flashbacks. We're going to get uh, an explanation for Michael's uh, uh, departure from pure logic and return to um, uh, being in touch with her emotions. Um, other than that, we're going to get a lot of special effects, and uh, and we're going to get some new characters because there are some you know named characters that we haven't even seen yet i anthony rap didn't show up in in either of these first two episodes
3: yeah a a bunch of those people are going to be on the discovery yeah yeah yeah
2: okay john you got any predictions
3: no but (laughs) um (laughs) i have something else okay uh i would like to know uh what everyone's favorite line or scene was because i'll I'll, I'll, because i really want to say mine but i feel like that would be obnoxious so i'll open it up to the floor after i say mine um i can't think of any
2: specific lines
3: after i say mine okay (laughs) (laughs) um when she's uh when she's on trial um which is and that's part of the reason i don't want to make a prediction because i would not have predicted that ending and I loved it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had no idea that's where they were going. I really wouldn't. I mean, because <clears throat> like you said, like they n- never really get consequences like that. I mean, you know, a slap on the wrist or like a reprimand or a mark on the record, but not... This is going in your permanent record, Jordy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <For life. laughs> um, but when life. She, but when she's on trial, I'll ask her if she has anything to say in her defense. Uh, at one point she says, I did what I did because and I'm paraphrasing obviously. I did what I did because I thought it I sincerely thought it was the only way to save the life of my friend, my crew, and my ship. And I don't know if you would call that an emotional decision or a logical decision. And I that line blew me away. Cause yeah. she's completely right. Like it could it could easily be attributed to either one. And I feel like that line and that Idea is is at the heart of the show. That's what I think will be at the heart of the show, and I'm I'm definitely on board. Yeah,
5: I don't have
2: I don't Anybody? have a favorite. I can't think of a favorite line. I mean, I did like when she told Sarek that she was happy to see him, and he kind of made a snarky comment about that and about uh, <laughs> controlling her logic. And she said, "No, it informs my logic." <laughs> but no. uh, okay, um, as far as listener feedback, we. We had one comment after last week's episode, and I'm not going to pronounce this person's name correctly. Uh, Bulent Bingo, I'm sorry, Bulent, if I pronounced your name wrong, but he wrote, Hey guys, great first episode, looking forward to the show. By the way, do you have a link to Bobo Blood so I can subscribe? (laughs) <laughs> a link to what? John, John made a joke in the last episode. He was talking about streaming services, and he said he said one of the streaming services was Bobo Blood or something.
3: Like that. <laughs> I can't remember what I said. Yeah, um, so, I, I'm I'm sorry, Bengal. That was that was that was fictional. He, um,
0: yeah, I I believe it's a, I believe Bulent is a he. He's been around forever. He's been a simply syndicated forum fixture for a very long time. Okay, so it's great to okay, hear from him. Okay.
2: Um, I'd like to get a lot more messages to share in, in this segment. We have a Facebook page, so you, uh, you can find it by searching for SS Discovery After Show. Uh, leave us a message on there. Or you can leave us a voicemail at area code 205-642-8380. I'll say again, area code 205-642-8380, and that's on our Facebook page. Uh, leave us a voicemail. I'll play them on the show. And check out uh, simply syndicated There's a whole lot of shows available there. Uh, there's this one, and then Rick has a few that he does, and and they're Eight all nine. right there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you can go to the website simply syndicated or go to iTunes and search for Simply Syndicated, and you'll find most of them right there. And you can subscribe to Simply Everything, and you'll get access to their entire back catalog and some premium podcasts available only to subscribers and and if you'd like to hear uh, John and Rick and myself talk about other things besides Star Trek, you can check out Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast. Uh, that's the show that John and I host, and Rick is our guest about 90% of the time. Scott Scott, <laughs> I, I
0: usually on. manage to get Star Trek in there somewhere,
2: though. At some point. <laughs> Scott's been on at least once. Kennedy's been on a couple of times, and uh, it, it's on iTunes and all the other usual places, as well as our website at CosmicPotato.com. And on that site, Prime Direction where I interview Star Trek fans about uh, how their life is better because of Star Trek. And I've talked with fans, uh, including everybody on this show. And uh, <laughs> Richard Smith, who's the founder of Simply Syndicated, has been on there. Had a couple of celebrities, including Vic Mignona and Michelle Speck from uh, Star Trek Continues. And Michael Jan Freeman, who's a Star Trek novelist, and he's going to be on this show next month. So, uh, so that's going to be uh, fun. So, um, Scott, thanks for being here.
4: Hey, I appreciate you letting me come on and and take up seat and uh, sitting quietly in the corner while you guys do most of the work.
2: <laughs>
4: uh, Kennedy,
2: always a pleasure.
1: All fun. Thanks.
2: And John. Yeah, man. I'll, I will probably talk to you next week uh, on this show, and we'll probably do a a short Cosmic Potato, a mini episode, sometime next week. Uh, and uh, Rick, you as well.
3: <laughs> okay, I'm down.
2: And as soon as I said uh, thank you to John, he started doing something obscene to his
5: microphone.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, <I> no. <laughs>
2: All right, uh, everybody. Thanks. uh, That'll do it for us. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Kapla. Thank
0: you for joining us for Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show. Your feedback is welcome. Leave us a comment and review on iTunes, or follow us on Facebook. The views and opinions stated on this program are those of the hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of Simply Syndicated, CBS, Paramount
1: Pictures, or their sponsors. Star Trek Discovery is owned by CBS and has no affiliation with Simply Syndicated or this podcast.
0: No infringement of copyrighted material is intended. Be sure to join us again next week as we analyze another episode of Star Trek Discovery here on Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show.